Go with me over to uh, 2 Corinthians. And we're going to talk tonight about uh, victory under pressure. And have you noticed that uh, pressure is not decreasing? But you know there's nothing so much that the devil can do that God can't turn that around. Amen. So be encouraged tonight. But uh, there are a lot of people in the Bible that, uh, that spoke of being under pressure. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, we find Paul here speaking of severe pressure that he and his fellow ministers were under. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Aren't you glad it's not flesh? It's not your carnal vessel. We're hard-pressed on every side. Some of you know exactly what that feels like. Amen. Say it with me again. Didn't come to stay. It came to pass. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Have a better amen. Say it, not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We're like the Energizer Bunny. We keep going and going and going and going. And if you're really old tonight, you're like a weeble that wobbled. But it didn't fall down. Now, if you're under 40, you're going to have to go Google that. Wobble. Weebles. <laughs> the point is, a righteous man will fall down seven times, but do what? Yea, though I fall, I shall arise. And that's the mindset you want to have. So, pressure, that is... Uh, you know, a condition of being alive and on this planet. You know, a lady came to Brother Hagin one time and said, I just wish you would just ask the Lord to take that snuff away from me. And he's like, what is he going to do with it? He doesn't want your snuff. <laughs> and uh, somebody else said, well, I'm just tired of temptation. You know, I wish you would pray that temptation would just uh, go away from my life permanently. He goes, okay, Lord, kill him in Jesus' name. I don't want to die. <laughs> I just want the pressure to come off of me. Well, as long as you're alive, you're going to be under pressure. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? So we need to learn how to deal with the pressure in all of its forms and all of its manifestations. So the, mind, the mindset that I just want to get out from under it, well, he'll take care of that in the end. But on this earth, you're going to, you're going to just deal with some things, and you need to know how to be equipped to deal with those. You know, um, you know, Dealing with, with jars of clay, we know that treasure, of course, is the anointing. Whether you realize it or not, every person in this building is anointed of God. You're not just here by accident. You're not just called and going to heaven. You are anointed for purposes on this planet. And if you haven't figured it out by now, the devil does not want to see you accomplish the things that God has called you to accomplish. We have this anointing. And it's been in my spirit for a couple of days that you and I learn how to be better stewards of that anointing. Amen. Yes. We know when to release it by faith. We know how to protect it. We live in such a way that we protect it and we cultivate it. It's a big responsibility to be anointed. Say, I am anointed. I Say, I am righteous. I am Say, I'm anointed, I'm anointed and I'm righteous. You know, religious people get a big old frog in the throat when they say things like that because they don't have revelation of who they actually are. Well, David felt the same way. We're going to look at Psalm 57 tonight, but I want to start in verse 4. And talk about a description of what he was experiencing. If you know anything about uh, some of these psalms, he wrote psalms, some of these psalms as he was on the run under persecution and severe pressure from King Saul. 
Actually, uh, you know, Saul just basically wanted him to die. He wanted him out of the picture. He was jealous of him, saw him as a threat. And so he's on the run. And in the midst of this, he is uh, writing these psalms and singing these unto the Lord. He says this in verse 4, I am in the midst of lions. I am forced to dwell among ravenous beasts. Some of you work with some people like that. Men whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp swords. I'll stop there and say this, that an awful lot of our pressure comes because of the mouths of others. Amen? Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. And despite the pressure, he's still what? He's lordship-minded. He is glory-minded. Let your glory be over all the earth. They spread a net for my feet. I was bowed down in distress. They dug a pit in my path, but they have fallen into it themselves. Aren't you glad God still has that same kind of delivering power today? The devil can do his best, but his best isn't good enough. And so you may not be facing exactly what David faced. Somebody's actually trying to kill you. You do have somebody who's trying to kill, steal, and destroy in your life and digging pits for you and trying to trick you and trip you up in terms of what you're doing for the Lord and where you're headed in this life. Now, the way the Lord spoke to me about this is there's no pressure so great that it can overcome God's ability to sustain you through it. No pressure. See what I mean? No defeat here. There's no pressure that He can come up with that is going to be greater than God's sustaining ability in your life. Well, I just want Him to take the pressure away. Again, there are certain things you're just going to have to learn how to deal with and walk in victory over on this planet. Persecution is one of those things. Uh, you know, people aren't going to clap because you're walking down this road. Now, people that have liked precious faith will clap for you. Amen. Aren't you glad you got some clappers in this church? People clapping for you instead of naysaying and telling you what you can't do, what you can't have, what you can't believe. I tell you, it's important to have people like that in your life. That when you say, I'm believing God for this, they look at you, what? Not with cross eyes. But I'm with you. Amen. Say it with I am with you. Because the things we're dealing with in this church and in this time period we live in are serious matters. We should be clapping for one another. Amen in one another. Amen. We should be talking well of each other. Agreeing with each other. Rejoicing when somebody has a breakthrough. God does something great for them. Amen. Praising from the heart. Not saying secretly it should have been me. No, it shouldn't have been you with that attitude. Amen. Back to the woodshed for you. <laughs> I have a theory that, that all of us, when we get to heaven, are going to have some time in the woodshed. I just <laughs> don't think the Father's going to stop correcting just because we crossed over. Glory to God. But that's okay because it means He loves us. He corrects and disciplines the ones that He loves and primarily, of course, does that with His Word. So there is no pressure so great that God can't sustain you in and through it. Things like financial pressure. Raise your hand if you've ever been under financial pressure. You may be right now, but greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You might have mental pressure. You're just constantly under a place of mental assault and attack. God's not ignorant of that. He is not somehow, you know, missing that point. He has the ability to give you strength and give you the tools to deal with that. But don't think you're crazy. Say that, confess it, I am not crazy. <laughs> Just because you're being pressed and compressed mentally doesn't mean there's something wrong with you. In a lot of cases, you're perfectly normal in terms of the things of God. Amen.
Sometimes it's emotional pressure. You just, for no apparent reason, you have these out of control episodes, you know, and in times where it's either, you know, extreme sorrow or, or grief tries to come on you or just, you're just reacting to things that may have happened years ago or months ago or years ago, whatever, and you don't even know why you're going through that. Well, it's, it's a pressure. It's a form of pressure that tries to come to debilitate you. But say it with me, God's bigger than that. Anybody here ever been under work pressure? If you're on my staff, don't say a word. Just sit there and smile. <laughs> don't want to hear no amens out of you. <laughs> I just wanted to get ahead of that one a little bit. Just amen. Praise the Lord. Isn't that right, Bryce? Give me a good amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. There's family pressure. And now we have responsibilities, you know. Uh, we should take those seriously, all of us in the family. And not just the adults, the kids do as well. And sometimes it just seems overwhelming with everything that's going on. If you're in a physical battle, you got some big time pressure on you. Uh, the enemy would love to take you out. Well, say it with me. I'm going to live out my days. Shout it out. Length of days. Strength of days. Live more days. Torment the devil. And get some more people in heaven. Get some more people delivered. Get some more people healed. Amen. Get them free. There certainly are physical pressures if you're going through a battle. There are ministry pressures, and not just for people who are five-fold ministers of the gospel. Everybody in this room is a minister. And just you may not realize this, but whatever you're doing for the Lord, the devil's not pleased with that. Well, I'm Mr. Greeter. He hates greeters. Pastor, I never do. <laughs> I'm going to contact Rhonda and switch real quick because she, the devil hates greeters. Why would he like greeters? Let me give you a little bit of organizational dynamics here in terms of the church. You know, for years and years and years, these things have been studied. I mean, say that when a new person comes into the church, the most important thing to that guest is the message. Or how many would say the worship service? Or how many say the offering? Dear God, you know that's not true, Amen. <laughs> Not until they get some revelation in their heart. And then they're excited about it. Some of y'all that shout when it's offering time, you should see some of the looks you guys get. It's all right. Gertrude, it's okay. they're clapping over an offering. They're actually happy to give it away. I thought those people were nuts. They told me those people were nuts. Here's the truth about it. Say, the devil hates greeters. And we've got a great team. And there's plenty of room at the end. Amen. We know from studying this decade after decade after decade, and we're talking about the Western church, I would say something's probably similar all around the world because people are people. But people uh, have made up their mind if they're coming back within the first 10 minutes of arriving on this property. That's right. That's right. Starting when they drive in. That's it. What does that mean, Pastor? It means that those interactions by godly anointed greeters are having a bigger impact on that new family than me. Than your worship team. That's just the way it is. Now, if they have a good encounter, they're predisposed to have their heart open to receive what God has for them. Predisposed to worship and not just to observe. The full package begins to work. And just for the record, the last several minutes when somebody is leaving are important as well. Typical Christians are ready to hit the road and get that uh, pot roast or whatever. But that guest could use a little more contact. Could I have an amen? amen. 
And so what you do is critically important. And so what we do is we think, well, you know, these, these ministries that travel around the world, you know, they're on television, have media ministries, you know, they, the people that pastor, the people that teach in, in Bible college, they're the real ministers. Those are the ones the devil hates. Well, he hates all the God's people because they're anointed. But don't ever, ever put down your ministry again. Amen. Ever. Say, well, you know, I just help clean up sometimes. What's the, what's the big deal about that? I'll tell you what the big deal is about that because somebody, if they come in and there's a mess in the bathroom or a mess somewhere, that's all they're thinking about. I tend to be the same way myself. I have a, a, a personal thing here that when I go to a restaurant and I notice in McCracken County, <laughs> they actually post their cleanliness scores on their doors. They ever been there, and they grade them by A, B, C. Now, with with very few exceptions, I walk up to the door, and I see a C on the door. I am not getting salmonella ever again in Jesus' name. You understand what I'm saying to you? It doesn't make any difference what deal they've got going on. It doesn't make any difference how good they normally are. I want to see what? I want to see a 98, 99, or 100. I want to know there's no extra protein in my dish. You understand what I'm saying to you? That anointing is important, and it's on you. And working together, every part of the body, providing what every joint, every sinew provides, it makes a big difference in terms of reaching people. Turn to somebody and tell them, your anointing matters. What you do matters. This has been brought to you by Rhonda Barger, once more, more ushers and greeters.com. <laughs> it matters. Amen. Say it with me. Pressure comes against all the God's servants. Now, the methodologies are sometimes different, but the goal is the same. And I'm going to talk to you about that for just a little bit. This is when the enemy begins to say to you and to me, after a while, this pressure, there's just no way out. You know, there's no way to victory here. There's no way for me to overcome this. And so the question is, pressure to do what? What is he trying to pressure you and me to do? Well, write this down. Number one, to give up. That's always going to be a pressure, always going to be a temptation. And he'll whip up all the opposition he can, all the difficulty he can, try to discourage you a thousand ways to get you to give up, to compromise on your destiny. Go ahead and settle for an ordinary natural life when you've been called to be a supernatural force in this earth. That's right. You're born again. You're a species of, you know, a species of existence in terms of who he made you to be, a new creation that never existed before. You were born to be supernatural in this yeah. earth. But I'll tell you, the devil will never stop trying to get you to quit. I watched that early on in ministry. That it seemed like every single attack was designed to do one. They've got to get you positioned mentally where you just want to just, you know, give up the ghost, so to speak, and just fold your hands and say, that's enough. And every, every attack seems to increase until you figure out what the devil's trying to do. Now, if you don't play into his hand, amen, he's not very successful. Are you hearing what I'm saying tonight? Um, they give you to quit. That's why we, we tell you and teach you, I cannot be defeated. And I will not quit. Now, I cannot be defeated is a true statement for a child of God that's born again. They that know their God shall do what? Mighty exploits. Well, that is a function of God's power for you and for me. I cannot be defeated, but I will not quit is about your decision. Your make up your mind. I am not yielding in this situation, no matter how great the pressure is. 
He wants you to give up. Number two, he also wants you to get into the flesh. Step out of love and gut your faith of its power. I'm not going to take any volunteers here, but anybody ever had a fit of flesh? Who do you think's probing you and trying to get you to go down that path? To get you to step out of who you are, to handle something in the natural. It was pressure that did that. Anybody here been under financial pressure and under that pressure you made even worse decision? That's exactly what the devil's trying to get you to do. Do what? Get the pressure so hot that you just got to alleviate that pressure somehow. And what you don't realize is you made it 10 times worse after you made that decision. That's exactly what he's trying to do. He gets you to give up, but gets you to get in the flesh. Now, you have to understand that um, if you get into the flesh, the flesh profits nothing. Shout out that. My flesh profits nothing. So what do we call that then? Wasted time. Wasted energy, wasted focus. You're not going to produce anything by getting into the flesh. Well, Pastor, I felt better giving him a piece of my mind. You may have felt better then, but you didn't produce anything. And you stepped out of love in the process. Amen. <laughs> Pastor, can I just step out of love for like five minutes and then step back in love, you know, after I deal with somebody? No. If you know enough to say that, you know enough to know you're not supposed to be doing that. Turn to somebody and say, stay in love, no matter the pressure. Now, here's where pastors sometimes will begin to meddle in the affairs of married people. Um, <laughs> yes, amen. Pressure comes on marriages and comes on families. And there are more fits of flesh in marriage. I can, I can see you really don't want me to talk about this tonight, so... So I guess I will. Amen. I'll take that as a vote of confidence and affirmation. I'm going right down the path. I should be going. Isn't it true? Isn't it true that we will give ourselves a license to talk to our spouses and even our children in a way we don't talk to anybody else? That you'd be embarrassed and ashamed if a co-worker or even somebody that was an acquaintance or a total stranger in a Walmart, if they heard you talking or acting like that, you'd be ashamed, but you give yourself license to do it I'm preaching better than you are groaning right now. I can tell you that. <laughs> Isn't it true? When the reality is we ought to be what? More kind and gracious with your spouse and with your kids than you were with a total stranger. Yes, talk nice to the guy at Taco John, but your family deserves the best. I don't like Taco John, Pastor. I like Taco Bell. You say, Pastor, do people really go down those little rabbit trails while you're preaching? Oh, yes, all the time. And sometimes just for fun, the Holy Ghost calls them out. Just to make sure you're listening. <laughs> hey, I'm convinced the Holy Ghost has a great sense of humor. So, well, first of all, he's the third person of the Trinity. And how many understand that you and I, if we have any sense of humor at all, it came from God. John Maxwell says it this way. He goes, I can tell how healthy a church is by how much laughter there is in that church. Right. Mary Hart doeth good like a medicine. And the first time I heard him say that was years ago at a general council meeting. So I think it was Indianapolis, Indiana. I knew it was true because I'd seen it through the years. It's a good thing to have what a jovial spirit about you. Yes. 
Amen. Especially when you come together in like precious faith. Yes. Amen. I'm telling you, if you know what to look for, God's people will crack you up constantly. They're funny people. Look at somebody and tell them, you're funny. <laughs> you are a funny buddy. Yes, you are. Amen. But getting back to the topic that you all want me to talk about, talking to your family and I's. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You're under pressure and you're not really solving anything about having a fit of flesh. Instead, find what the Word says and come into agreement and push back on that thing in Jesus' name. Amen. Number three, to come off the Word. Mark 4 tells us that that's when that persecution comes. It's designed to get you to let go of the Word of God, to turn loose of the Word and get offended over the Word. See there, it doesn't work. See there, it didn't work. See they preach that stuff and it doesn't work. Listen, faith works, the Bible says. It works by love. Faith works. So you're telling me faith doesn't work. The Bible's telling me it does work. And I also happen to have some experience that demonstrates in my own life that faith works. But it works by love. So when somebody says faith works, they don't understand faith at all. And in fact, by saying faith doesn't work, it's working for them. Your faith isn't working because your confession is it doesn't work. But it does work. Amen. But you have to understand, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So I get revelation of a scripture and I make that the basis of the foundation of what I'm standing upon until I see that thing manifest. The devil would love to get you to a place of pressure that you get pushed off the Word of God altogether. And there's no way you're going to have God's best once you come off of God's Word. If you haven't figured it out by now, God's best for your life is on His Word, not away from it. I said it's on His Word, not away from it. It's in His Spirit, not away from it. It's in the church, not away from it. Let me try that again. It's in the church, not away from it. Right. I have my Jesus and I worship him in the sticks, you know, and I'm out on my boat. Praise the Lord. You're missing the whole point. You're not even living your life consistent with the word of God and telling me how great your relationship with God is. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. Amen. Your best life in terms of what God wants to do in you and through you and provide for you is in his word. It's in fellowship with the spirit and it's in fellowship with his people. God's people are strange, yeah, and so are you. <laughs> You're supposed to be a peculiar people. That doesn't mean strange or weird. It means actually unique and set apart in terms of what everybody else is doing in this world. But praise God, you don't have to come off the Word. In fact, make up your mind tonight, I am not coming off the Word of God. I've made a quality decision from which there is no retreat. I've stepped across the faith line, and I'm not going back. And I don't care who hates me. Don't care who talks ugly about me. Don't care what the critics say. Don't care what the deconstructionists say. Don't care what all those you know, so-called heresy hunters say. Too late. Amen. Once you have revelation, you don't care what the deadbeats say. That's right. Amen. So I've crossed that line. For me, it happened many, many years ago. And if you've had mine now, cross over that line and say, I'm going to stick with the Word of God over religion, over opinions, over persecution, over what they say. I'm sticking with the Word of God. It's like they say in Texas, you dance with the one that brung you. Well, the Word brung you. Amen. Stick to it. And it'll produce for you. But the pressure is there to get you to quit. The pressure is there to get you into the flesh. The pressure is there to get you to turn loose of the Word of God. Number four, the pressure is there to get you to think negatively. And once you start doing that, not only are you going to be miserable to be around, aren't negative people fun to be around? Just a joy. 
negative, critical, belligerent. I've known people as a pastor through the years, you can always tell how they're doing spiritually by their level of negativity. Amen? How they're doing in their personal walk with God. It's not a judgment, it's just an observation. People who are right with God in the Word of God, fellowshipping with the Holy Ghost, in right relationship with, with the people of God, they're not going to be critical. They don't like the capacity to see something needs to be improved. There's a difference between a spirit of excellence and a critical spirit where nothing is right, never good enough. And it comes from a, a heart that's not right with God because they're under pressure. They're becoming negative in their thought life. Well, some of the scriptures that have helped me so much through the years, scriptures like Psalm 119, 165, great peace have they who love your law and nothing can make them stumble. It literally means nothing can offend them. Come on, shout it out. I am unoffendable. Say it boldly. I am unoffendable. I'm not going to start thinking negatively. Amen. How do you get to be unoffendable? You get that way by loving the law. Psalms teaches us, Psalm 1, to delight, amen, ourselves in what that word says. Day and night we meditate upon it. Joshua was told the same thing. Delight means to derive your greatest pleasure from. When the word of God is that important and precious to you, you are not going to become negative. Turn to somebody and tell them, I don't have time to be negative. I'm just too positive. But there are a lot of them out there, aren't there? Amen. Y'all remember my Anna Hines grandma story? I was down in Murray and dad calls me up one day and says, your grandmother's in the hospital. Would you mind driving up to Marion and getting in the car with me and driving up to Livingston, Staunton, Illinois, so we can go pray for her? And it was a big deal for him to do that. It just was not his, his heritage spiritually. So I said, it'd be fine. And so I did that. And uh, be honest with you, she had been through a lot. My, uh, my uncle Elmer died when he was 12 years old of kidney disease. It's easily treatable today. And I don't think she ever really got over that. And then my grandpa I never met, uh, he died. My dad was about, uh, I guess, 18, 19 years old and had to leave college in, you know, initially because he died. And so she'd been through some things. And that's the problem. You know, when people go through things, but they don't turn to God, they get really negative. Yes. Yes. And, um, and she wasn't just negative about life in general, negative about everything. I mean, I don't care what it was, whether it was the roof of her house, you know, or a dish she just cooked, or whatever the case may be. And so she's negative even about herself. And so we go up there and, um, you know, laying hands on her. And I, I prayed the prayer of faith. My dad's standing right there. I mean, pray to powerful prayer. God, raise her up. Give her length of days and strength of days and extend her life. She was only, I think, uh, high 60s by about then or something like that, seven years old. And she wasn't, you know, you know, gone, you know, by any stretch of the imagination. And I prayed the prayer of faith. And I'm not kidding you. She had her head like this as I was praying. And she lifted up her head and she said, I'm going to die. <laughs> <laughs> And my dad looked at me. I mean, I didn't say anything. I thought, okay, well, you know, let every word be established by two or three witnesses. What I want her to do is just grab a pillow and help her. Just kidding. <laughs> You're right. Boom. <laughs> my dad looks at me and he cocks his head and goes, can you believe that? Right in front of her, he said that. The prayer of faith was responded to with, I'm going to die. Well, praise the Lord, she didn't then. And I'll tell you why it was important.
Because at that moment, she wasn't saved. About 10 years later or so, I was, and 10 years later, probably five or six years later, I was driving uh, out of St. Louis back uh, into Illinois when the Spirit of God spoke to me, go talk to your grandmother. She's back in the hospital. This time it was congestive heart failure. And I asked her that night, I said, in all the years you've been in that Lutheran church, they had English services and German services. That's how far back that thing goes. Have you ever personally repented of your sin and personally given your life to Christ? And she said, she said, no, she was very honest with me. And I said, would you like to? She said, yes, I would. And right there in that hospital bed, she gave her life to Jesus Christ. And I know where she's at and she's not negative anymore. Amen. <laughs> she just never got over Ruthie, my mom, marrying her little baby boy. <laughs> Are you here? But that pressure will come on you and try to make you negative, 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 negative. And I don't care, you know, who you are. That doesn't edify anybody. No. Isaiah 26, 3, the Bible tells us, He'll what? Keep him in perfect peace. Him whose mind has stayed on thee because he loves me. Amen? Say perfect peace. Again, it means mature, developed, cultivated peace. How many like peace? Say, I like peace more than turmoil. You are never going to have peace when you have negative thinking. And you have to start policing yourself. You start going down some path when nobody else is around, you know, begin to police yourself and say, that is not a pathway to peace. Amen. And oftentimes the things you're thinking that so negative about aren't even based in reality. They're based in conjecture and they're based in supposition. They are based in you drawing conclusions on limited amount of information. It's not even true. And yet you're sitting there destroying your peace with negative thinking because of the pressure that's on you. Listen, you say, well, it's real. The pressure on me in a physical battle is real. The financial battle is real. Granted, it's real, but that doesn't change God's word. It may be a fact you're under pressure from some very real circumstances, but the truth is, my God shall supply all my needs. The truth is, you're the healed, amen. The truth is, you're the delivered. So you have to make up your mind to push back in your thinking, amen, that fact that's subject to change and replace it with the word that's not subject to change. One is temporal, one is eternal. The word is eternal. Push out that negative thinking with what is eternal. Heaven and earth will pass away. My word will not pass away. Aren't you glad for that? I'll tell you, you, you that call yourselves word people, you're smart people. Because you have hooked up to something that is eternal, fixed, and works when you stand on it. Amen. Glory to God. How many know God keeps His Word? Yes, he does. We talked about how truthful He is. Amen? Yes. He keeps His Word. And number five, pressure to do what? To give up, to get in the flesh, to come off the Word, to think negatively, but also to speak the problem. And when you speak the problem, you perpetuate the problem. That's right. Amen? So you have a choice. You either decide to guard your mouth, amen, or go down to Dollar General and get some duct tape. Don't care what color you get. Because James tells us that the tongue is like the rudder of a ship. Now, religious people don't like this. But I, I believe in my heart that James has special revelation on this. 
And he got it directly from his elder brother. I hear what I'm saying to you. And he understood the authority and the power of the tongue. And he said, it's like a rudder. You know, whoever, you know, manipulates that rudder determines where that vessel is going. Well, the vessel we're talking about tonight is your life. And who controls that? Well, I, I just don't, I just don't believe that my tongue controls the direction of my life. You know, it's just happenstance. You know, it's just, you never know what's going to happen. You know, God is just, you know, fickle and arbitrary. You never know what he's going to do. This is the way life is. That's not what scripture says. So your problem is not whether the tongue controls your mouth or not. You haven't gotten to the place where you believe what the Bible says about the tongue. I also believe that Solomon had a great revelation on the power and the authority of the tongue. Over 80 references in the Proverbs alone concerning the mouth, the tongue, and the lips. Say that with me. 80. 8-0. That's a lot of references. But then again, he had 300 wives and what? 700 con- cucumber vines. That's where he learned all that. Amen. That's why God says one man, one woman for life. It's a good place to amen tonight. Yes. I don't know how he got the revelation. All I know is he had a lot of revelation about the tongue. Power of life and death in the power of the tongue. Amen. We'll be filled with the fruit of our lips, the scripture says. And James says, you can bless or curse, but you can't do both because they both don't come from the same well. But he literally said that that rudder is actually controlling the direction of that vessel. The bigger the aircraft carrier The longer it is, the longer it takes for it to turn around. But the principle is the same. This massive vessel in the waters that protect your interests and my interests, when somebody gives a command to the houndsman, they make that correction and it turns. No matter how big the vessel is, it will turn with that rudder. No matter how big the pressure is in your life, it'll turn with that rudder. But nobody can do it for you. Well, I don't believe the tongue has anything to do with my life. It doesn't matter whether you believe it or not. It's happening. You're already living in a world in a direction and a bearing that you're using to get there with your own mouth. Anybody ever said anything you wish you could take it back? Ever sold some verbal seeds you wish weren't uh, said at all? Yeah, you, you, you pray for crop favor. Amen. Command them to fall to the ground and to die and to bear no fruit. And then you walk on with God. But there comes a point in time where you realize this. And so you're not under bondage about this, you know. You just begin to say, you know, I'm going to speak consistent with what God's word says. And the, the devil's got pressure on you to get your tongue because your tongue is the rudder. Listen to that again. The devil is pressuring you to get your tongue. The pressure alone won't move your life in the wrong direction. It's the response to the pressure that will move your life in one direction or the other. So what I want to do is make sure I stay on that word. No matter how I feel, by his stripes, I am healed. He sent forth his word and he healed me. Amen. He carried my infirmities and bore my sicknesses. And that's where you stay. And you do that with every other situation, in every other area of pressure. What does God say about that? And you put that on your mouth, you believe in your heart, and you say it consistently. What it's going to do is keep you on the right course. And as well keep you at a place of peace and joy in the meantime. 
See, when you get a revelation of this, you don't have to see it manifest to have joy over it. Why? Because by faith, it's as real to you now as the day when it manifests. Amen. Anybody here ever believe God for something? You sowed towards something and it manifested? When you get a hold of this, yes, of course there's joy. Anybody can have joy when they see it. But faith has joy before you see it in the natural realm. That's the path you want to be on. And you can't get there speaking contrary to the Word of God. Amen. Say it. The pressure is designed to get me to give up, to get in the flesh, to come off the Word, to think negatively, to speak the problem. I said, I refuse to do that in Jesus' name. Now watch this. You have to separate the, the pressure from the problem. Write that down. Separate the pressure from the problem. They're not the same. Watch this. The pressure will always be 10,000 times worse than the problem. Always. And so you want to make sure that you're not reacting in the flesh or one of these other areas he's trying to push you off from and respond by what the Spirit would have you do. That's why we tell people, you know, some Spirit's telling you to hurry up and act and react and decide. Just back up and say, no, I don't have to do that in Jesus' name. I can hear from God on this matter and I'm going to stay in a place of peace and not a place of pressure. But what we do is we assume that we, the, the problem is as bad as the amount of pressure. And that's just not the same. You are going to see that the pressure in your life is far worse than the actual problem. You don't realize this, but most of the things you've worried about never came to pass. Amen. That's called the grace of God. Because worry is active belief for something negative and destructive. You're actually using your faith to worry about something. And meditate on something that you really don't want to see happening. So, uh, anybody here tonight under pressure of some kind? Raise your hand if you're under some kind of pressure. Maybe the ones we listed or something else that we didn't talk about tonight. The principle is the same. What's he trying to do, Pastor Art? He is trying to get you to give up. Now, come on, say it. I cannot be defeated. I be defeated. And I will not quit. Will. Come on, shout it out. I'm not a quitter. I'm telling you this because it's not just a natural you know, phenomenon that when you give up, it gets easier to give up the next time. You've got to get stubborn. Yes. Belligerent. Yes. When the devil tells you something, you say, I'm going to go and do what God wants me to do. Amen. You're like a little boy sent to the corner for time out. And what does he say? I'm in the corner on the outside, but on the inside, I'm not in the corner. Don't let the devil put you in a quarter. Hallelujah. Get obstinate. Said, I cannot be defeated. And I will not quit. Say, I'm not a quitter. I'm not going to quit on my healing. I'm not going to quit on my deliverance. I'm not going to quit on what God's called me to do. I'm not going to quit on my financial breakthrough. And I'm not going to compromise or make excuses for it. And I'm not going to pander for people who criticize me because I believe in those things. That's all part of the pressure. In fact, our brand new October series is called The Prosperous Soul. 
By the time we're done, you're going to be so prosperous, you're going to wake up in the middle of the night saying, I'm prosperous in Jesus' name. And if religious spirits don't like it, they can lump it. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? That we don't need less teaching about what God's dream is for his people. We just need to know, you know, the pathway and the priority of it. Glory to God. Apostle John, what a wonderful man of God. I wish above all things. Now, how many know that John and Jesus had a very close relationship? Does that make sense? And out of all the things John knew, including the revelation, including insight into things you and I just would love to have insight into even to this day, he had conversations one-on-one -on -one in the flesh with the master. And what does he do in his final letter to the church? I wish above all things. Say it, all things. Stick that in your pipe, Reformed theologians. All things thou mayest prosper and be in health. Here's the catch. Even as your soul prospers. And that's the focus in October, teaching you how to have a prosperous soul. The rest will work out just fine if your soul is prospering. Confess that right now. My soul is prospering. Confess it again, saying, my soul is prospering. And I want to bring that up because I want to ask you to pray over this series. I want you to pray in tongues. Or will you do that? Pray in the Spirit so that people that are new to this fellowship will get a hold of this and the devil won't talk them out of it. Come on, said, I cannot be defeated and I will not quit. I'm not a quitter. God has good things in store for you. Plans to prosper you. Plans to give you a future and a hope not to harm you. Why would you want to quit? The pressure is telling you to quit. The pressure is completely overwhelming you and trying to drive out that inner image of an eager expectation. It's the pressure that is skewing your consciousness and your walk with God. Don't let it do it. It's kind of like the Wizard of Oz. When you pull the curtain back, what do you have back there? Some old man with some levers. Don't pay any attention to the man behind the curtain. Well, guess what? The curtain is the pressure. He doesn't want you to see the reality. Amen. So what do you do? You focus on the Word of God and not yield to what the devil wants. Say it. I'm not going to give up. Say, I'm not going to get in the flesh. I'm not going to take it out of my family because I'm under pressure. I'll let you all just settle out at home on your own. Say it, I'm not coming off the Word of God. Make a fist like that. You're holding on to the truth of God's Word Amen. and pressure's not taking you off of it. Say it, I'm not going to start thinking negatively. Say, I'm a positive person. I'm a delight to be around. To know me is to love me. And whenever you start going down that path, Remember the words of Anna, I'm going to die. And say, I'm not going to be like that. I will live and not die and proclaim the glory of God. Shout out, I will live and not die and proclaim the glory of God. And say, I will not 
Speak the problem. Now I'm going to stay on the word of God. Why? Because your tongue, your mouth is the rudder. Amen. And you're headed down a path and you and I had everything to do with that. And what you say, you, know, you, want, uh, you want God's will. How many want God's will for your life? Yes. Then make sure it's God's will you're saying. Make sure it's God's word that's in your mouth and stay on it in Jesus' name. When we come back for the next time, we're going to talk to you about uh, what you do when you're under that intense pressure, specifically from the counsel that David gave, and then apply it to your own life, and then some exhortation from the Apostle Paul in these last days. I love his example. He knew what he was facing as he moved forward in his mission. His disciples and leaders in the church did not want him to go forward to his destiny. How many know he's supposed to get where he's supposed to go? He's going to be a witness to Caesar. He's going to be an effective witness. And they're like, we know what's going to happen. He's like, I know what's going to happen. And here's what he said. None of these things move me. You see that? The pressure is not going to take him off of his path. And the pressure is not going to take you off your path either. It's just not going to work. Say, it's not going to work. You have to make up your mind. These things aren't going to work on you anymore. Now, if I were to tell you it's worked on me in times past, I can point out sometimes it did. Amen. But we learn and we grow. Raise your hand if you have given in to pressure in the past. Doing something just to get it off your life. Amen. Glory to God. Well, there's great wisdom in Scripture for that. So get Lord a hand clap tonight and thank Him.